Welcome back to the Elway Podcast. We got a very special guest today, FP Santangelo Jr. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Thanks for lying to everybody right out of the gate. Not a very special <laughs> guest, but oh, man. thanks for having me, man. Just right off the gate, like your dad played in the big leagues. You grew up in that atmosphere. You grew up in clubhouse around some of the best players of all time. What was that like? It was a unique experience, really. I didn't really know that other kids didn't have dads that were athletes. I used to go around school when I was in kindergarten, mm-hmm. elementary school. And you used to go, hey, so what team does your dad play for? <laughs> I didn't know. I really didn't. And then people yeah. didn't believe me that my dad played baseball because I was so tiny and so short. Of course, really? my dad is like 5'10", right? I learned a lot of new words that you're not supposed to speak. Uh, I got a couple uh, detentions and, and missed a couple recesses for that. But <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was, it was pretty wild because back in the day, kids were just running around clubhouses, right? right? It's not like today where it's very corporate, very organizational, where you might see a kid every now and again on the field with like, you know, their dad's uniform on. Back in the day, it's like kids were running around like crazy. There's PlayStations, everyone's eating ice cream. They're just like getting into people's lockers. It's it was like a nuts. playground. It was a playground. It was really bad. That's awesome. But uh, it was such a unique experience. I learned a lot, like I said, both good and bad, and uh, it was a unique upbringing for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, and I was reading a, a piece you wrote. You were talking about having a birthday party behind home plate. I think I had my birthday party at the park, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, okay, so you're from Sacramento originally, mm-hmm. went to Oak Ridge High School, mm-hmm. and then you spent a year at Sac City. Yeah, Sac City, transferred to Folsom Lake College, played baseball, wasn't good. <laughs> That's why I'm doing this, I really wasn't. Well, what was, uh, you know, people talk about like the JUCO life, like when I was a JUCO guy myself, what was it like at Sac City, kind of, well, there's a lot of history there here in Sacramento. Um, did your dad also go to Sac City? He did, and that was something that was really unique to me. So I grew up in El Dorado Hills, very small town. My dad grew up there too. Mm-hmm. Was the first major league baseball player, first professional athlete from that school. Sac City, one of the, the bigger names to come out of Sac City at the time, besides Greg Vaughn, of course, and a few others. Yeah. But uh, just kind of being in Sacramento, having a unique name like FP as well, I stuck out like a sore thumb. Right, right. And uh, it was a unique experience growing up and going to these programs because they're like, oh, you're so-and-so's son right away. And obviously I didn't have the same amount of talent level as him, but I, it was such a unique experience for me just because uh, you see that kids like, uh, for example, probably Vladimir Guerrero Jr., they expect you to be good, right? right. And when you do well, people don't really congratulate you the same way as like another person that does well. And then when you do bad, they're like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, you're to- exactly. You're supposed to be this person. So even Fernando Tatis Jr., I mean, one of the most talented people I've ever seen play on the field. Unreal. They go, all go through these things where you're supposed to be good and you don't get the praise like another person does for doing well. So it was kind of a weird being brought up differently, you know, and being put in a different light and... All these different things, so <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, so. and you kind of get used to it, and then you kind of get a chip on your shoulder because of it. Definitely, definitely. Those, yeah, that's uh, it's it's a, almost like a lose-lose situation where you you don't have the success that you're supposed to have, so then you're shunned. Which is like, why am I held to that standard? And then if you do have that success, it's like, oh well, like well, that's expected of you, whatever. So you went to JUCO for a couple of years, and then you went to the University of Santa Barbara. Yeah, for school. Um, and did you just right away go into being the broadcaster for the for the baseball team, or how'd that come about? So I wanted to really figure it out from a perspective of like, okay, what can I do well? First, I want to see what I like, what I can do well, what I have some talent in, and I want to stay around the game of baseball because my whole thing is I want to make people's days better, and I want to leave a positive impact. Yeah. So if I could take somebody from away from a situation, make their day a little bit better, whether th- through its humor, like relaxing at a baseball game, that's what it was for me. 
So how can I do that? Okay, I know baseball a little bit. I grew up in the game. And uh, I started writing. I did broadcasting. I did producing. I did a podcast. I had a Wednesday radio show. I had five different jobs at one time. And I had two internships going on in San Francisco, one at KMBR and one at NBC Sports Bay Area. So I was driving six hours back and forth, like sleeping in my car some weekends while I was doing those other jobs. So you were going there every weekend or just? Yeah, it was crazy. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, on top of being a college student and, top of being and a college doing student. your homework and yeah. trying to have fun. Yeah. And for those that don't know, UC Santa Barbara is literally located on the beach. Yeah, and it's to tough. Have, to have that sort of calling your name every week and be like, ah, oh, no, i got to drive six hours for my internship. Well, it goes back to the whole being a big leaguer son. Uh, people think that things have been given to you your whole life, right? And they think like, oh, he's so-and-so's son. Like, this is the reason he gets his job. But you really have to grind twice as hard because you have these stigmas around you. And people think everything's been given to you your whole life. Which, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't privileged. I'm very, very lucky in right. my situation, right? Um, have a roof over my head. You know, my dad played Major League Baseball. But there's the stigma where it's like, okay, you're a rich kid. that So you don't got to do anything. So you don't have to do anything. So I always felt I had to grind twice as harder. And still to this day, I mean, there's, there's people um, where I've worked previously and where I work now that see me as like the spoiled kid that, you know, didn't really grind for anything and, you know, I got my degree at Santa Barbara, Communications and Media Studies. And UC Santa Barbara is obviously no joke. Yeah, it was, it was a tough college to get into and, and really fight your way through on top of doing all these other things. And then I just thought experience was paramount. Definitely. So then I just grinded to stay around the game of baseball. And UC Santa Barbara's got a really good baseball team. Oh, they do, man. I think you were, I think you said something to me back when we were, I was at Westmont down in Santa Barbara, back when we were both down there, that in the last 10 years, they had the most drafted guys of any school, or there was something, some stat you gave me. Yeah, so on this side of the Mississippi, the most guys drafted out of any one school. So UC Santa Barbara, and I think that number was like 35 or 55 guys between there. So That's awesome. Some guy named Shane Bieber, you might have heard Shane of Shane Bieber, him. he's all right. Too. <laughs> uh, okay, so you're, you had an internship at KMBR, yep. and then you graduated. Mm-hmm. What was next? So I wanted to immediately get into work. Like I didn't want to do the whole like, hey, take a break, go travel. I ended up calling everybody. NBC Sports offered me a part-time job and I was doing the ticker. So you know the ticker on the bottom of the screen that says the scores and the breaking news? Yeah. I was typing that out every single day. That was How my first job. Oh, it was brutal. <laughs> and being, being you know, a former baseball player, I couldn't spell that well. So I'm like, I'm butchering like hockey players' names. Oh, like, dude, I, oh, I can't even pronounce them, but. The human eye charts. I was butchering names, dude. It was the funniest <laughs> thing of all time. So I was absolutely brutal, but uh, just kind of learning the speed of the industry, really doing anything I could, just trying to be a sponge. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like, don't expect to be like, I don't know, John Boy Media right out of the gate, or try to be like Matt Vaskersian or Tim Kirchin, all those guys. You just got to grind for it. Yeah. And then I, I kind of learned, uh, you know, you just got to keep on pushing the envelope and keep on looking for more jobs that you want to try out. So then I got a job at 95.7 The Game in San Francisco, and I was a part-time producer there. And then I finally got my first real job, which is a full-time producer at KMBR for the night show. Former Major League Baseball player Kevin Franz and, and mm-hmm. his host Drew Hoffer. That was a lot of fun. We just went crazy. All right. And then uh, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I told the guys like, hey, let's make this a party every single night. Like I, everyone's afraid to miss out on a party, right? So let's just have good vibes, positive energy. Yeah. I don't want to hear any negativity because you hear a lot of negativity on the radio. And so we went the complete opposite way. Uh, 
We ended up having better ratings than the Golden State Warriors. Really? Radio broadcast. That That's awesome. was in the middle of Kevin Durant's last year. So we ended up crushing just because we were just having more fun. You're having fun. It's good vibes. People want to be around that. Exactly. So then uh, I started to produce other shows. I did Gary Radnich's last show for KMBR, which is huge. Um, my final show was Greg Papa and John Lund, and Greg Papa's obviously a legend. I really wanted to challenge myself more in going to TV because that is like boom, boom, boom. Right, right, right. And like things can catch on fire and people are screaming and dropping F-bombs <laughs> and doing this, doing that. Like it's like mission control, like in Houston, like the back room. And if one thing goes wrong, it's like people are screaming and yelling. It's great, it's great. It's a general rush for sure. So I really want to get into that, and that's where I'm at now. Learning all the like the things of being a TV producer, like the small things of being a TV talent, like the pace, like the, uh, managing relationships. You know, mm -hmm. that's a tough one. A lot of people don't talk about that. A 20-something-year-old kid coming out of college, everybody hates you. So you're like, who the hell is this kid? Yeah. Like it doesn't matter if you know you're so and so's son, but it's just like, who the hell is this kid? Like he thinks he can change the game. The game's been here for a long time. But I think it's good to have that enthusiasm and to have those differences of opinions to really Definitely. challenge the norm. And that's something that I try to do and I still try to do to this day. And uh, a lot of my ideas have worked and a lot of my ideas have failed, but I keep on trying to push the envelope. And my biggest thing is to keep it positive. I think in media today, people are always looking at the negatives. They're writing about what the player did wrong or what happened wrong on the field or the manager's bad decision, which I think it's important to hold people accountable but what did they do right too? Did you did you see the this is not baseball related, but did you see the Tiger documentary that just came out? No, I have not yet. There was a scene in there where they're interviewing someone that said there's an obsession uh, amongst American people to see the top dog fall. Yeah. Everyone that's in the spotlight, they want to tear them down, they want to highlight their negativity, whatever they're doing wrong, mm -hmm. and everyone just wants to focus on the bad 24/7. Yeah, they do. And that's, I think that's a big problem in the game of baseball right now because you have broadcasters even almost sound like they hate the game of baseball in the state <laughs> that it's in, especially with the bath flips and emotion, oh, which baseball yeah. needs. Like the game is evolving. I'll tell you what I told Senior. So Senior right now, FP Santangelo Senior, he's the broadcaster for the Washington Nationals. Mm -hmm. I told him, Dad, you sound like an old man. It was one game, like you sound like an old man. Here's the deal. You already had your chance to leave the mark on the game of baseball. You did. Right? You played hard. You were a 90s guy. You played during the 90s, right? You were the tough guy era, right? You did play the game the traditional way. Look where baseball's at now. The baseball, the game is declining. Popularity. Right. It was all do this one way, and it's tired now. So you had your chance to leave your marker in the game, and you probably did some really good things. You and all your teammates and your generation. But now it's their turn. So let them do their thing. And he goes, wow, I didn't think about that. Okay. Look at you. Keeping your old man in check. You have to. You yeah. really do. It's, there's, this is another completely off topic, but I remember in my marketing class back in college, I said, anything that's invented before you're 30 is like, you know, cutting edge. Mm -hmm. Anything that's invented after you're 30 is just like, oh, we don't need that. It's trying to change the way we do things. Mm -hmm. And it's just sort of like, okay, we need to take a step back and be like, hey, just because this isn't the way I did it, maybe this is the, you know, what people want, how the game's fun. Like, you know, if you watch the NFL, everyone celebrates after a touchdown, after even making a good play. And remember and, that used to be a penalty. It did. It's ridiculous. You, you know, NBA, someone gets dunked on. Like, people are, have emotions. They're doing well. They're playing a game. Like, let, let the kids play as the slogan's going. Let the kids play. And I think baseball, the past three, four years, has been doing a fantastic job of really letting them go. Mm -hmm. I think the players themselves have been doing a great job not policing themselves as much and celebrating with their teammates and not making it too personal. Yeah. Right?
So you just going back to what you just said. You said your dad played in the '90s with with his teammates. He had some pretty good teammates. Yeah. Uh, one, the great Barry Bonds. Yeah. Uh, who you actually wrote a nice little article about, and you were, I think in the beat you were talking about you were what four or five, yeah. maybe running around the clubhouse and just having a good time. Just he picked you up and threw, threw you on his shoulders and. You know. People don't know this about Barry Bonds. He loves kids. Like, he will go out of his way to do things for kids, whether sign a bat, sign a ball, uh, just make put a smile on their face. Yeah. He would go to children's hospitals with no cameras around. He didn't tell anybody. He would show up unannounced in San Francisco and just, you know, do things for kids to put a smile on their face. That's the kind of guy he is. And it's really unfortunate. He became a scapegoat of the steroid era. You can say what you want, but uh, I would – reckon from what I've heard from many people that have played in the era that most people did do steroids and it wasn't just Barry Bonds who tarnished the game. I mean we even know Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, the other two home run kings at the time that were going back and forth, had their feet dipped into the steroid pool. So it is what it is at that point but Barry is a great person and I wrote that article, The Man and the Swing, because I think you need to separate the two. He was right. a great man. Uh, he was always great to me when I was four years old, and still to this day, if I see him at the yard, he'll yell at me, and he is, uh, I mean, I don't know if we're allowed to cuss on here, but he's one of the best shit talkers of is all he? time. Oh, my God. He's great. In that article, he said something where you hadn't seen him in a couple of years, and he was like, oh, man, you're ugly now, or something. Oh, like yeah, you dad. grew up to be as ugly as your daddy. <laughs> yeah, it was the first time I saw him probably in, like, seven years, and he hasn't seen my beard yet, right, right. and that's when I, I saw him. But, yeah, he's, he's always been a fantastic man to me and my family. Um, he's one of the wittiest guys, too. Yeah. He really is. Really, really witty. And uh, there's times at Oracle Park where he goes down into the batting cage and puts on a show just for the players. Just for fun. Just for fun. And the, he'll dial up the machine to, like, 99 and just still put on a show Dude, down there. Give him a uni. Come on. The Giants need him. There's a lot of debate and talk to see if we could get him to DH. You know, like the, the fan base right, is right. trying to do that. Because with the universal DH this year. Yeah, well, in 20, 2020 with the 60-game season, right, right. you know, all that, why not try to get Barry back? I think he could hit 270 still. Dude, I mean, why not? Um, but something that you mentioned, too, was just something very simple about having your goal be to make someone's day a little better. Put a yeah. smile on their face, whatever. as a quality that you try to embrace. Sounds like that was him to a T even if he was in the highest spotlight that we have to offer. Like that's, a lot of people can let that go to their head or, you know, be partying and have women and spending money on planes and whatnot, but being able to still embrace that, but being able to say, hey, there's a little kid over there that wants a ball, so I'm gonna go do it. I'm gonna go to a children's hospital and take an hour and, you know, put a smile on someone's face who might have cancer, might be, you know, very, very sick, so. I mean, that's what it's all about as an athlete, right? You wanna have a positive impact for the city you're playing for, like you want to have, be an idol and a role model for those around you. Sometimes that gets lost in the fame mm -hmm. and what you are and you know what you're doing off the field. But I think Barry did a really good job of quietly being a hero for those yeah. for those kids and for doing that. Like he didn't need the publicity. He really never believed the media. And I I have a theory about this. I want to talk to Barry about this at nauseum. Like we need to sit down and talk about this. But I think with his dad Bobby Bonds and Willie Mays, his godfather, and him being around baseball, that he was taught his whole life to not trust media. I was even taught to not trust media. That was the first thing I was taught when I was like five or six years yeah. old. Hey, if anybody approaches you at the stadium and they're saying they're a writer and they want to interview you or anything, don't even respond to them. Like, media are bad guys. Now that's obviously changed because senior is the media and I'm in media. <laughs> 
But that was really the notion back in the 90s. Yeah. Like, hey, those are the bad guys. Don't talk to them. They're trying to get something out of you. Well, it's like what we just said, where everyone's focused on the negative, right? One thing that you say out of context, and they're going to try to see the top dog fall. Especially nowadays with Twitter and social media, everything can get taken out of context. So it's really just like walking on glass and being Barry Bonds, who's bigger than the sport of baseball at one point. You can only imagine him. And then people trying to come after him for for reasons of him maybe being a little stern. And then it just kind of snowballed into like, you know what? Mm -hmm. Screw these guys. I'm yeah. not going to give them anything. So That's kind of, it makes you think of the Dark Knight. I'm sure you've seen the Dark Knight. Yeah. Where it's like the hero that the people needed, not the one that they wanted. It doesn't take the fame for the glory, but does what the people need. I always think about this. How many jobs would that be in baseball today? Or how many less jobs if Barry Bonds wasn't in baseball? How many jobs would those writers that won't vote for him and wouldn't even have jobs without Barry Bonds? Isn't that crazy? He, yeah. There wouldn't even be an Oracle Park right now. They'd still maybe be at Candlestick or maybe the team would have moved somewhere because yeah. he really generated that much revenue for the San Francisco Giants. He, uh, you probably grew up a Giants fan too with your dad, but I was growing up a Giants fan, just almost got spoiled. It's like, oh, you don't have a Barry Bonds on your team? <laughs> like that's kind of, as you said, like, oh, what team does your dad play for? Yeah. Like, I don't think I fully appreciated him as a kid just because I didn't know, oh, this is not something normal. Like, yeah. Oh, that's just our four-hitter. Yeah, that's, that's Barry Bonds. You know, it's funny you say that. I really didn't appreciate baseball players until I was like 12 years old because I just thought like, oh, you know. there's that's my dad's friend. Yeah, there's Pedro Martinez. You know, there's Jason Giambi. Yeah. There, there's, there's so-and-so. Whoever my dad was playing with, it's like, okay, another guy. Man. Uh, so final thoughts here. You're still obviously in baseball. Mm. You're still, you also do some stuff for the Niners, right? Yeah, I, I would work for the Niners a little bit too I, I, over at NBC. NBC has okay. been great for me. They, they're really about like pushing the envelope and being awesome. positive and, and doing things the right way. What, uh, what's the best, what's the thing you like the most about your job right now? Right now, I think it's just uh, getting to see how hard TV is and what people don't really realize what goes on behind the scenes there. It's nothing that you can just wake up and go do. Right. It really takes a lot of reps and then you can see the difference between an ex-player that takes it seriously, and then a guy that's just trying to collect a check. Right. Like people actually have coaches, they really go through, like it's a second career, like they're taking reps. Like uh, they're hitting off a tee, or they're taking ground balls. And then other guys just kind of show up and you know roll the balls out there. And some of them can do that, just right. like a baseball player sometimes can do that. But um, it's really interesting to me to see like this, this whole world instead of the world, and see how kind of, uh, catty it is sometimes too. I got you. You know what I mean? Yeah. With, like the, with like the drama you see behind the scenes, you're like, really? Like, this is weird. Like, like guys. Almost feels like high school. Yeah. You're like, come on guys. Like, yeah. we're, we're just trying to like, we love the sport we're following. Right. And then I guess this is another big thing too. How much people that hate sports are in media. And because they, they grew to hate the sports. It's like they, they all went in there loving the sport, but because of the grind and because of doing this every single day, you can tell the guys that hate the sport. They kind of get burnt out. They're burnt out and they're just doing it because they don't have another alternative anymore. Right. That's wild. And I'm talking about like the writers, the producers, the directors, the camera guys, A through Z. Right. Like everybody. It's crazy to me that like you can make a career in sports and hate it. That is. Um, do you have a dream job? I do. I'd love to do something like this, honestly, but like on a bigger network where we're just talking me and not, you. Not this network? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you got a pretty good following, I'm sure. Oh. But just uh, to let people know that these players are just people, you know what I mean? They're yeah. just good at something. You know, they're good people too at the end of the day. They're normal people. 
Like they're not they're not crazy. I'm sure some people are crazy, but everyone's crazy at a little separate, bit. As you, separating as the swing from the person, being able to be like, hey, just because this person's good at swinging a bat and is on your team doesn't yeah. mean that they're not an actual person. They don't actually do things when they leave the field. Exactly. You don't have rights over them just because you're a fan of the team. Yeah, they're not a piece of meat. And a lot yeah. of times players feel like a piece of meat. I mean, you've worked with Lucas Giolito a bunch, and I know that the number one gripe a player feels is that they're a piece of meat because they're treated like a piece of meat in the organization just to make revenue for a huge, you know, a corporation essentially. Mm -hmm. And then once you're done, it's like, okay, see ya. Thanks for playing baseball for us. Dude, one of the craziest things to me is arbitration. The yeah. fact that you can be playing for a team and they love you and you're their guy and arbitration comes around, they tell you to your face every single reason why they don't like you or why you shouldn't be paid as much as, but also they want you to come and, and play for them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting to see the business side of everything definitely. too. Yeah. All right, last thing. What uh, Any predictions for this upcoming year? How are the Giants looking? Uh, any thoughts on the baseball season? Ooh, baseball season. I'm really excited that there's going to be 162 games and that there's going to be inter-divisional play again. I think and it some was... fans. I, there fans, was a, too. Yeah, yeah, 20% or something in California. Yeah, I totally buried the lead right there. That's something that you're not supposed to do. Oh. Let's bury the lead. Fans are coming back, which is <laughs> going to be huge for baseball. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens uh, in the NL West. The NL East is by far the most stacked division I've ever seen, ever. Like, any single team there can come out and do some damage. And I think it's going to be really interesting. I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Marlins and Phillies. They're exceptionally deep. And I'm really liking what they're doing. Of course, the Nationals, the Braves, you know, the Mets. the Nationals. Yeah. Uh, the Giants, I'm... Dude, the Giants are kind of sneaky looking good. They're sneaky, right? They have a lot of... They got a lot of potential. It's like, uh, you know, low risk, high reward kind mm -hmm, of a rotation mm -hmm. there. Um, shout out to Sam Long, of course. Yeah, shout out to Sam Long. That Sam guy, you know, I think he's going to make the club. I hope he gets a I'm chance. I'm seeing the buzz. He's creating buzz in the city of San Francisco. How cool is that? That's so You awesome. grow up a fan of a team, you're a local kid, and you're creating buzz in the city that you want to play for. Dude, it's it was amazing. surreal just seeing him in a Giants uniform on TV. It was like that he's whoa that's, that's crazy it's so cool man it's so cool to see people that you know succeed and mm -hmm. like you know really grind it for it and he's got such a great story too definitely so. well, all right dude fp thanks for coming on no appreciate problem. you appreciate you